Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. Well, 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 Georgia, 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 this wonderful Women Wednesday. I think Georgia is a woman name. I don't know. But I want to celebrate Georgia in the Senate race seats. Right at this very moment, we have not declared if both seats have been given to the Democrats, but I feel very confident at this time that it will be tomorrow. We'll see. But I, you know, whatever happens, I want to celebrate the women of Georgia. The women of Georgia turned out, turned out, turned out. There's been so many names, as you all know, that's been coming out of Georgia. We had some amazing women in Georgia, and it's just so many to name. I've done a couple episodes mentioning a few of them, but what I wanted to do is talk about two women who were ironically born in Alabama and now Georgia residents and their roles in getting people out to vote and empowering them and encouraging them and energizing them. I just want to give kudos to them. And, you know, the first person I want to talk about is Nakima Williams. Uh, You know, I want to say Congresswoman now, Nakima Williams, who has taken the congressional seat from the beloved, legendary John Lewis. But the thing that's so cool about her, and I mentioned her in a previous episode, her energy is unheard of. I, you know, it's so unheard of. So we're going to talk about her, and we're also going to talk about Latasha Brown. You know, these women, I'm going to tell you something. As I said, they're both born in Alabama, but they're here in Georgia now. These women are just so amazing. You know, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all the people in Georgia who got out and voted. And as I said in the past, there's so many people that were involved in this. But this wonderful Women Wednesday, I want to talk about these two ladies and just thank them and let you listen to a a little bit of their energy that I had captured on several different shows. But we're going to start off with out of respect for the title of being the chairperson of the Georgia Democratic, excuse me, party, and now Congresswoman elect in a legendary seat. We're going to talk about uh, Congresswoman Nakima Williams first, okay? And I want you guys to hear her energy. Her energy is just so amazing. And I was listening to her last night during, you know, the tally of the votes, which we're still waiting on. And I just I just love her confidence. And, and she's very inspiring to me personally. But I think she inspired a lot of people and especially people of color, because it whether people want to admit it or not, the African-American community turned out. But the African-American women really turned out. And we have so many people to thank in the state of Georgia. You know, Stacey Abrams, of course, is like Shiro Shiro. So we definitely know um, 
her and so many other organizations. She never takes the credit by herself. And, and you have to respect that she is a person about we and not me. And uh, of course, our amazing mayor, <laughs> Keisha Lance Bottoms, kudos to her. But as I said, I want to focus on these two ladies. And Nakima Williams, as I mentioned, you know, she is definitely um, somebody that they better be ready for in Congress. Because <laughs> she ain't playing. She ain't playing. You know, they say she was born in Smith Station, Alabama. And I'm going to be honest, I have no idea where that is. But thank you guys for giving us such an amazing gift to the state of Georgia. And what I didn't know that her husband, Leslie Small, is a former aide to John. He was a former aide to John Lewis. And according to um, the research I did, they she and her husband met while campaigning, campaigning for Democrats during the 20. Well, 2008, I always say 20, but 2008 elections. So look at that. That Look look at you, girl. She served as one of six electors for Georgia in this year's electoral college following the 2020 United States presidential election. So, you know, I just am so proud of her. And I'm so proud to be able to say she's a representative for Georgia's 5th Congressional District. And I want you guys to uh, just listen to her energy. I'm going to play uh, her on television last night as they were still tallying up the votes. And tell me if this woman don't energize and inspire you because I, I, I just love her. Just listen to her. All right. Congresswoman Williams, it's Joy Reid. Uh, welcome to D.C. Um, and hopefully you are enjoying ensconced. Hey. Um, so the question I have for you is about kind of the atmospherics uh, going into this election. Not just Donald Trump, you know, repeating Fulton County, Fulton County, implying that the votes there were fraudulent. Of course, that is a county that is a heavily black population. And Republicans in general, now about a dozen of them saying they're going to challenge the race in places where black and brown voters made the difference for Joe Biden. And you, when you add that to the already existing voter suppression that you saw from the Brian Kemp's of the world, I have to say, added by Mr. Raffensperger, who was his lieutenant in that effort, what did that do to the voters, particularly black voters in Georgia? Do you think that that that, that boosted, actually, turnout um, in this particular runoff? Voters are reclaiming their power, Joy, and when we heard from people on the ground, they are voting in spite of the voter suppression tactics. They turned out in force in November and did not stop. Voters understand on the ground how critical this election is, and they understand who is blocking progress in this country, and that's why people are turning out in force. If you look at the 5th Congressional District, once represented by John Lewis, now represented by me, DeKalb, Fulton, and Clayton counties, we are leading the charge, the 5th District, in turnout for all congressional districts statewide. Okay, Williams, uh, we're so happy to have you with us tonight. Georgia's newest congresswoman, the country's newest congresswoman. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, it's going to be, a, as you say, a long night. It may not be a night that extends into tomorrow before we know. Uh, we will be patient. We appreciate you helping us understand what's happening tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. That woman is amazing. You know, 
we're going to hear a lot from her, and I'm excited that she's representing the state of Georgia. But I want to go now to Latasha Brown. Man, oh man, I'm going to tell you something. She's one of the co-founders of Black Voters Matter. And I'm not going to lie, this job teaches me a whole bunch when it comes to research. And this woman here, she is the truth, truth, truth. I bow, bow down to Miss Brown because I was reading her bio. Uh, she is a little bit of everything. You know, um, I'm just going to read a little bit. She, too, is from Alabama. She's from Selma. And it says she's an award-winning organizer philanthropic consultant, political strategist, and she's a jazz singer with over 20 years of experience working in the nonprofit and philanthropy sectors on a wide variety of issues related to political empowerment, social justice, economic development, leadership development, wealth creation, and civil rights. Look at that. She uncovered everything. This woman is the truth. You know, as I said, she is a co-founder of Black, excuse me, Black Voters Matters Fund. And I suggest you guys go to their website and check out all they're doing. Wow, wow, wow. Mm -mm -mm. You know, I always heard Black Voters Matter. I actually follow her on Twitter, well, the organization on Twitter. But as I was doing research, I was reading some of the stuff there, and I'm just going to read some of it to you, where they're talking about the fund as a power-building Southern-based civic engagement organization that played an instrumental role in the 2017 Alabama U.S. Senate race. Now, I remember them talking about they never thought that the Democratic that won in Alabama would have won without the black vote and especially the black female vote. You know, <laughs> I just really, really love reading about these amazing women. I like to just say some of the quotes that she had said in some interviews and I want to also play something because as I read about all the things she does, I just listening to her on different uh, shows from M CNN and MSNBC and other shows, I just thought she was a person that was about organizing the, vac the black vote. But when you read her resume and you see what she's done outside of that, it's just amazing. I actually had saw a video, which I wish I had found it again, where she had got on now. She is serious about grassroots, trying to get the voters out and going into the areas that people normally don't go in. And I had saw a video where she was on her bus. She was doing the tour, you know, trying to get the, the message out. And uh, it was amazing listening to the residents saying, how people don't really care about them, and they were so happy that she came. You know, I was reading a quote she said where she said, we got power. A bus tour spanning Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, North Carolina, 
and California. Now, that kind of threw me when they threw in the California part. And it says the sole purpose of our organization is to actually help connect folks and remind people in our community that they have power and they have power to stop those that use that power against them. Now, those are some words she said, and she is so right. You know, I want to go on and continue reading some quotes from her so you can see that this woman is the truth. So when an organization rolls into town with this big black bus featuring words like love, vote, and black voters matter, the founders immediately get to work partnering with other local organizations to help in any way they can. Everything from providing funding and group, excuse me, funding and training seminars to hosting events. Through the organization, <clears throat> though the organization was first founded in 2016, the group didn't start doing didn't start doing bus tours until 2018. And as I mentioned, a huge part of what pushed them, according to Ms. Brown, was Alabama's senatorial election in 2017 between Roy Moore and Doug Jones. And see, Jones at that time became the first Democrat in the state in a generation to win a Senate seat. And, you know, they said that his victory was fueled by a huge turnout from black voters with 98% of black women. I got to emphasize that because I wasn't just being, I'm not being gender biased by talking about the women. I'm just reading the information. But 98% of black women casting a ballot for the blue candidate. You know, I remember them talking about that. And I really was glad to see in doing this research that Miss Brown was part of all that, you know, and she says that the race helped amplify the work of Black Voters Matters, but it also changed national perception of Black voters in the South. Quote, the Alabama election shocked the world, and I must admit it did, because people had such low expectations for Black voters in the South. And she's right. They did. I'm in Georgia right next door. And they had no clue that these women weren't playing about getting the vote out. So, quote, so when you have overperformance of black women voters that led to this remarkable outcome, it sent the message that people underestimated the power in the South. You know, that's why I want to salute these women. And this is exactly what we see happen in Georgia, in my opinion. You know, I want to, this is funny because I was going to say these similar words, but this is Miss Brown. I'm, I'm quoting her. That's where oftentimes you see the most voter suppression and abuse of power. There were pockets of our communities that were not being touched or talked to or even supported. And she's right. And that is what I saw when I was just looking at some things online. They were talking to the people in the real rural areas of Georgia 
that people, you know, don't care about their vote. Even though they're eligible to vote, they don't care about their concerns. They don't care about what matters. So they don't care about the vote, you know. And so this year, her organization has invested millions in over 500, listen to that, 500 Black-led community organizations aiming to center black voters in a way that's about power and not just about participation. Their purpose is the goal is to increase power in our community. Affecting voting allows a community to determine its own destiny. And I totally agree. You know, and I like to always get video well, in this case, audio and people's own voices so you can hear how they feel. And yesterday, even though the election was going on, Miss Brown was, she was working two circuits at the same time. They talked to her about the election and things going on in Georgia. And then I found another auto. This was all yesterday where they talked to her about what has happened with Jacob Blake's shooters and how they're not even being held accountable and see she was saying what all of us have seen this officer was literally pulling him the man was walking away even if he had a weapon he wasn't walking towards him he was walking away getting in the car with his sons and the officer is literally pulling on his t-shirt pulling mr blake towards him as he's shooting him so how can you feel that you're at risk or you're in harm's way or you are fearful for your life when the person's back, not, not just that his back was to him, but that he was getting in his car pretty much ready to just let whatever happened happen and go on with his sons. So I love her take on that. So what I want to do is play both audios so you can see how amazing Latasha Brown is, you know, and... I was so proud because one of the things that I didn't know is that I want you guys to listen to this amazing woman that I am celebrating today. She is actually, before we get comments from her regarding the election, she is on MSNBC with um, Ari, the beat with Ari Melber. And they're talking about the charges for officers who shot Jacob Blake in the back. And this was an interview she did uh, 16 hours ago. And I'm talking about Latasha. Excuse me, Latasha Brown. And this is another reason why I want to celebrate this amazing woman. Uh, this is just just uh, what we need. We need people to speak up and people to tell the truth and... I just applaud her, and I'm, I'm just excited and honored to be able to just do an episode saluting the, this powerful, these powerful black women, you know. But check out her comments so you can see why I think she just deserves to get, you know, she's getting shine. But I'm just a small-time podcaster trying to just alert people of these people that they may or may not know about. And I'm just excited. So check her out. 
Latasha, I wanted to get your views on this as a policy and civil rights matter. Many of these issues also relevant in Georgia and relevant to many voters there. Uh, your thoughts tonight? You know, first of all, he actually said it in his statement. The statement said that he never feared. You know, as a white man in America, he hasn't feared the police because he has not had the experience that he had. And so for, to look at that tape with our own eyes, to see this man, he's certainly the officer in no way, if you're pulling someone's shirt from behind scenes like you're in any way in a defensive posture. And matter of fact, he acts as if the aggressor. So we know all of us saw what we saw. You know, and I think that we're going to, we recognize that just because people are not in the streets, it does not mean right now that work is not happening. And what we're seeing is we're seeing people rise up all over this country because we're tired of this. We're tired of the police brutality. Something has got to change. We're not going to continue to literally look at a tape where this man, a father, who literally was shot in the back like he was a dog where someone was pulling his T-shirt, right? And so they are going to be held accountable. And so it's not over, right? While the DA at this moment has not filed charges, just like we saw Breonna Taylor, we will continue to put the pressure until we have justice. There shall be no peace if there's no justice. So I think that indicative, I think that that's all indicative of how we coddle, you know, white power in this country, how we allow those to kill the lives. That is why the Black Lives Matter movement exists. Right, because black lives are constantly under attack. And even when we're seeing a video where this man is going, walking calmly to his car and is shot and paralyzed, and paralyzed with some officer sitting, shooting him in his back, there's still no justice. But we who believe in freedom shall not rest until it comes. Yeah, I appreciate your points there, and you think about that in Wisconsin, in Minnesota, uh, as I mentioned, these issues hanging over Georgia. Hey, I'm Ari Melber from Emmett. You know, yesterday was really amazing, and like I said, uh, Black Voters Matter co-founder Latasha Brown was all over the TV doing so much in a positive way. You hear her talking about what happened with the officers not being charged for shooting Jacob Blake. Now, this was also last night. And then, of course, you hear her talking again about um, voting in Georgia. So this lady is busy, and I applaud her. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, you want people to have free and fair elections. You want people to have that access. Latasha, you've been working very, very hard. She turned... Uh, the state of Georgia. We've seen some pretty astounding numbers, frankly. Uh, according to Target Smart Voter Data and analyzed by NBC News, there are over 112,000 people who have voted early or absentee in the runoff election who did not vote in November. And I need an anthropological study on these people because I need to understand um, who they are and what drove them to the polls now, but not in November? I mean, these are very, this is a very interesting group, but how did you do this? You know, I actually understand. Normally, let's think about it. It's been 27 years before Georgia was even considered in the presidential election. Normally in the presidential election, people say outside of the primary, well, it doesn't make a difference because this is a solid red state. When in fact it's not, it's been a deeply underinvested and unorganized state. And what we see is we see the possibility and the potential when people are organized. And so what I understand is, you know, when we're looking at in the general election, there are many folks that, you know, they were kind of like on the fence whether their vote would even count as related 
to the presidential election. But I think since then, when you've seen that voters have made a difference, that there has been a flip in over 27 years, when you're talking to voters that these particular seats will actually be um, um, critical, when we're talking about COVID relief and people are literally in such dire straits right now financially and in terms of their future and in terms of health access because of what is going on with the pandemic, I think it creates, it, it raises the stakes. And so people are engaged this time because I think the stakes are higher. While this race is really important for the nation, this is a critical race for Georgia, right? It's not just the two seats for the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. And it's for the people of Georgia, who, quite frankly, there are 4 million people who are unemployed right now. When we're looking at there's a rise in COVID cases, we've had a lack of leadership from the governor's office all the way to the White House. And so people are frustrated and tired. And I think that there is a keen understanding of how these two states will, these two seats will impact people in this state, uh, more so than they felt in the, in the, in the general election. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's why I want to salute this amazing woman. You know, I was so impressed when I was doing research on her to find out she was a fellow at Harvard's Kennedy School Institute of Politics. So she knows what she's talking about. And she's the new face, I think, that we're going to see in future elections and future things that can help the communities get what they need. You know, a lot of people in the black community always try to figure out who's the next leader. And I think that there's a lot of new leaders that's going to be seen a little more because, I mean, we can't rely on the, the civil rights leaders to, like, take the, 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 the uh, how can I put this? We thank them. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be where we are. But we need to allow them to sit back and, and, and watch the newer generation uh, show what they've learned from them. You know, we are blessed to have had amazing, great civil rights leaders, and we will have to continue their legacy because if we don't stand up, and when I'm saying we at this moment, I'm talking about African Americans. If we don't stand up for our communities, for justice, for pay, equality, for just being being able to stay alive without being killed by the police and not being turned down for jobs that we are not only qualified for, sometimes overqualified for, but we can't get it because of the color of our skin. And we can see someone who looks totally opposite from us with no experience or education being able to get those jobs. And if we can't stand up now for just so many things that we have been treated wrongly, you know, if, if it's not now, then when? So when we have powerful people and like these two women I mentioned, uh, just representing us as African-American women, as women of all colors, as women, you know, showing that this is. Women, it's our time overall. I mean, it's our time because, and men, don't get me wrong. I'm not disrespecting you or saying men aren't powerful or anything like that. I'm just talking about society right now. Women have always been put in the back burners, even though they may be doing the work behind the scenes. But we have to be able to stand up for ourselves. African-Americans have to keep fighting 
I mean, right now we got a pandemic still going on, but we needed to get through these elections. And we're still, as of this moment, waiting for the final result on the Senate race in Georgia. Right now, John Ossoff has a substantial lead with very few votes to come in. I'm going to claim that he's going to win this. And if by the time you hear this, if he has not won, that's okay. I'm still going to claim it because I believe he's going to win. So if he has won by the time he heard this, yay. And even if he hasn't, yay still, because we made a lot of history in the state of Georgia in the previous year. I'm not even going to say that year because it doesn't matter and it was all negative. But now it's 2021. We have to look forward to trying to get the administration is getting ready to be sworn in on January 20th, an agenda where they can not only help those who need a lot of help, but encourage those who are giving up. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. And thank you, Georgia, for doing it, as we used to say, one more again. And I'm just excited. You know, I... I didn't even know what I was going to talk about. I did a little bit of research earlier, uh, well, late last night and earlier this morning before I had started work so that I could um, do this episode. I'm just excited. And I just want to say thank you to the listeners. And I hope that you embrace not just these two women, but all the women. And, you know, I thought it was only fitting for me to end this episode with uh, Stacey Abrams, because as you know, in Georgia, this woman has done some things. And she was on Stephen Colbert's show on Monday of this week, and he asked the question that everybody wants to know, and I thought it was funny how she answered him. So check out Stacey Abrams as we get ready to close out this episode. Buddy, we're back here with Stacey Abrams on the eve of the Georgia election. Once this uh, election is over, um, what's next? Is the success that y'all have had in Georgia replicable in other states? Or is this very something very specific to a southern state that also has a large urban population that's, that's growing, like Atlanta? I mean, Georgia is uniquely positioned as a battleground state. We have the most diverse electorate with a high concentration, not only of African-American voters, but Latino voters and Asian voters. But what we saw in Arizona shows that this is something that can happen across the Sun Belt. It's not going to happen overnight. Demography tends to precede electoral changes, but I do believe it's possible to build the infrastructure we built here in Georgia and other states. I think it's possible to engage voters who are usually left out of the process in other states. And I think it's possible for us to win in other states if we do the work of investing, organizing, and mobilizing our voters. Well, you spent the last couple of years um, <clears throat> throwing all your focus at mobilizing voters and helping other candidates. What's next for you? Are you going to take another run at governor in 2022? I am focused on January 5th. That is where I'm looking, and I'm not looking any further ahead because mm -hmm. what we do next really depends on what we can accomplish in this race. Let me look ahead for you. Oh, past January 5th. Oh, there's an election in 2022. Do you have any interest in that? I'm sorry, I can't see that far. I don't have my glasses on. Want to use mine? There you go. My girl, tell them, girl. Yes, that's a yes. I'll take that. I'll, I'll, I'll mark you down for yes. There you go. Now, I know that Star Trek is uh, a, um, a cultural home for you. It is for me as well. Um, nothing against Star Wars, but 
this Star Trek was the original for me. Is there is there any is there any story is there any is there any lesson from Star Trek that you could draw from right now? So I'm drawing from the series Star Trek Voyager. It was a ship sent on a mission. They got thrown off course, and they were seventy told it would take seventy five years to reach their goal. They got there in seven. I like the odds. Wow, is that is that um, Captain Janeway? That is Captain Janeway. Yes, she's my favorite. There you go. Come on, deep cut, Captain Janeway. Not everybody can do that. <laughs> Very impressive. <laughs> I want to talk about Georgia for just a moment here. One of the things that the president talks about in that um, recording, in that sort of, in that shakedown that he does, is that he finds it shocking that people leave Georgia and then come back. Because he's trying to make the case that this had to be illegal voting. People left and they, they, they were registered to vote. But they explained to him that, no, no, people left, but then they decided to come back to Georgia and actually vote there. Um, why is Georgia, as, 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 a, as a citizen of Georgia, why is it so proverbial that people go back? As I was, I was saying in the first act, you got uh, uh, Midnight Train to Georgia, you got Georgia on my mind, you got uh, walking back to Georgia, even the devil went down to Georgia. What is it about Georgia that just has a grip on people? Clearly, we're open to everyone. But what I love about Georgia is you've got every climate, you've got every topography, but more importantly, you've got good people and amazing food, amazing artists. And Georgia's just the place to be. Plus, you know, there are a lot of folks who get lost on their way to Florida. Georgia's a great place to stop and, and just forget to keep driving. Sure. Sure, actually. What goes through, was it I-75? What goes through Georgia? We get 75, 85, and you can take 20 across. All right. We are the crossroads of the world. A lot of great rest stops. Well, everybody, I just wanted to end this episode with that. I thought it was fun. And you can't forget, Stacey Abrams is the truth down here in Georgia. Actually, she's motivating for people not just across America, but I'm sure across the world because she is amazing. She's done a great job with Fear Fight. So I just wanted to end this episode with that. I thought it was kind of cute and funny because, of course, everyone is wondering if Stacey Abrams will run for governor of Georgia because I sure hope she does because she deserves our votes because she was very instrumental in getting these votes out. And as I always say, she doesn't take all the credit. She gives credit to everyone involved, but everybody knows how much she's been influential. So with that being said, I am going to end today's episode. And I just want to say, as always, thank you guys for listening and keep tuning in. If you have any questions, always feel free to give us a call at 404-855-7723. Please follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in advocacy, capital L as in ladies. And we are on all the podcast apps. So Definitely check us out on all the apps. It will be under Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy. And if you want to just check out episodes by name, type in Shay Pate, and that's S-H-A, all caps, with the uh, P-T-A, all caps, as well. And I just thank you. If you have any questions you'd like to send us an email, definitely send us an email at podcasthostshapete19 at gmail.com. And you know, I like to always end my episodes with the question, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening.